I like being joyful. Do you like being joyful? And as we look at that this morning, I want to define a little bit what joy is. And as we look at it today and look at Jesus as the reason for our rejoicing. Joy is a noun, all right? It's a feeling of great happiness, a source or cause of great happiness. Something or someone that gives joy to someone. So joy is something we possess, right? Something we own, something we internalize from a different source. And to rejoice, that's the verb, that's the action associated with our joy, it's the expression of that joy. So, as we do that this morning, I want us to really think of what brings you joy. And, and as I thought about that today, what brings Better. Is that better? Yeah. Leather bottom shoes. Carpet. Now can you hear me? Now you're joyful, right? Chocolate is coming. Are you in? Okay. We are so in. Okay. Don't forget sound room people. Kids in Sunday school have to see me later. All right? Sometimes it, it's the external things that affect our lives that bring joy. We want to look at that this morning. And our, our main text will be in Luke chapter 1, 39 through 45. And we really want to look at Jesus as, as the reason to rejoice. And it, as our reason to rejoice. So Luke 1. 
beginning with 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And as we look at this aspect, we see it in the past, okay, that the good news of the Messiah brings joy. And we want to realize that Jesus is the source of that joy. And kind of looking at the backstory here, where we pick up in Luke chapter 1, things that have already happened is... Zechariah goes to the temple and gets the news that John would be conceived and born. We get the news, and as he goes through that, he's rendered speechless until the time of that birth. So we're in that period that we looked at this morning that Zechariah still can't explain anything other than writing it down. After that, and just before this, Mary is greeted by Gabriel, told that Elizabeth is pregnant with John, that she would become pregnant with the Son of God by the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm sure in the family relationship and the thing that happened to Zechariah was big news. I'm sure the people in the family knew it. I'm sure Mary knew it. So Mary gets this news, and her first inkling is to go visit Elizabeth. Something is going on here beyond these two women. Something big. And they know what it is. And I love how we get here, and in this the narrative that we look at here, in verse 44... For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. I have never been pregnant. I may look pregnant, not. Ladies, that six-month-old baby in there, when it does calisthenics, you know it, right? I remember, you know, sitting in church and trying not to laugh when and be pregnant, and all of a sudden you see a foot or a hand, or you just see a rollover. It's like you're trying not to laugh. It's like, but the news came. John the Baptist, if you look early in the narrative, would be filled with the Holy Spirit even in the womb. News comes, and an authentication of what was happening in this moment was recognized 
through the Holy Spirit in that baby. It was the reason to rejoice. And we also look in the latter part of verse 41 and continuing. And look at Elizabeth. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Even in this meeting, Elizabeth knows that that baby, Mary, is the Messiah. Son of God, coming. And each of these women played an integral part in this narrative, in what was to take place. And what would come and become of it. Again, a reason to rejoice. And as we look at this, this text, it, it doesn't mention joy. It doesn't mention rejoicing directly, other than you know, John leaping for joy. But this text drips of joy. Think about that. You know, sometimes we can read these narratives and not think about what it really meant, what it really means. When I think about that meeting, it's like, whoa! Messiah is coming. And as we continue, try not to see. to do something different. Is that okay, Matthew, to do something different? Okay. You can't see what I did, but it should be better now. So we can have Joy making fun of Jim, trying to wrestle with the, the mic up here. But as we finish looking at this text, I want us to think of, we see the rejoicing, Times are going to be difficult for Mary and Joseph in the short term. In the long term, Mary is experiencing the joy that would carry her through. The joy and reality of Jesus the Messiah. Joy and reality that God's plan was coming true and being fulfilled. That she had a part in it. And you know, we, we stand in a community that's hurting this week. It's grieving this week. And we need this truth and joy to carry us through. The people that are friends and neighbors and classmates, guidance counselors, teachers, principals, first responders that need this joy. Because sometimes these joys are the only thing that carry us. And think about how things will progress after this narrative and how that joy carries people through. How it carried Mary through the trials. 
the birth in the stable. Watching that baby die. As a man who finished the work. And as a God, at the same time, has sealed what it really meant. So hanging on to that joy. I want to move into a text that brings us in, in joy and rejoicing into the present. As the way it was written by Paul. And I want to look at Galatians 5, 22 through 25, shared earlier. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep step in step with that Spirit. Paul shares this in a way that it is, it is present tense for the people then, and as we read it, it's present tense for us now. Joy is one of those first parts of what we, we see as the fruit of the Spirit. And fruit being singular, not, it's not the fruits of the Spirit. For followers of Christ and have the presence of the Holy Spirit in us, we possess these things. The source of these is the Holy Spirit. We do have an external source of our joy. And as we look at this, you know, last week we looked at peace, today we look at joy, and the whole Advent season really paints the love that encompasses all of it. So we look at this in the present. We, like Elizabeth, as Christians, we experience that joy through the Holy Spirit. And the reality of what the Holy Spirit brings is the basis for that joy is in Christ Jesus himself. The founder and perfecter of our faith. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. Look into Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. for the joy set before him endured the cross. I read and read and pondered and pondered that. And I would venture to say that that joy set before Christ is our redemption, forgiveness. For the joy set before us and, and the ultimate restoration and relationship it brings. That joy, 
gave him the ability to endure the cross. He did it for you, and he did it for me. And it's what we shared in communion today. And as we think about the joy that we experience, the joy we share in Christ, it's a realization of the work he did for us in relationship. And what we need to think about today is, do we display that part of our fruit? Are we joyful? What place does that have in our life? Do others see it? Do we share it? And do we live it? I want to kind of draw things together with a passage that looks to the future. And we, even though it's written earlier in Scripture, Isaiah 65, 17 through 19. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that, that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy, and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. The prophet Isaiah is describing the future. Part of it has already been fulfilled. A lot of this is yet to be fulfilled in the ultimate consummation. But as I read this, it's coming from God's perspective. He created the new heavens and the earth. He created Jerusalem to be a joy. But I like verse 19. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. God loves you. God loves me. We will see His joy expressed in us. It goes both ways. We rejoice in Christ. He rejoices in His children. And He will rejoice, especially in a time when our weeping and distress have been wiped away. It's planned for our future. Our old troubles and trials will be gone. God will rejoice in us. See, Jesus is the reason to rejoice. The verb. Do it this Christmas. Let people see the joy that you have expressed. Make it a joyful Christmas. 
and let it be heartfelt that those around you can see it and understand it and be as contagious in it. And so, how are you doing this Advent season? Are you experiencing it? Nothing says it better than chocolate, and I notice the basket's gone. I don't even get the basket back. Kevin? Where's Kevin? You don't have the basket, do you? Okay. If, it would definitely be empty if Kevin had the basket. There would just be this little pile of papers back there, I'm sure. Who loves sugar? Raise your hand. Okay. Kevin even rose his hand. Raised his hand. He should have like put two of them up. I want to finish with this verse and the thought that goes with it. Philippians 4.4, 4, you should have it memorized. Rejoice in the Lord always. It's behind me, right? You can say it out loud. Say it out loud. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Paul wrote this from prison. His last imprisonment. Execution was coming. Earlier in that letter he writes, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Having that feeling of what was coming did not take away from his joy. His joy was in that relationship with Christ. The reality of the future that would bring. We can rejoice in that. And parting thought. These people, seeing how the smiles on your face when you got chocolate, consider the smiles on your neighbors' faces. You take them chocolate or cookies or fruitcake. Our joy and rejoicing is to be contagious. It's to be shared. And I hate to say this tongue-in-cheek, but our joy is to be enjoyed. So think about this. This week. Think about the joy we have. The basis is Jesus Christ. He's our reason to rejoice and to show the joy we possess. He's the source of our greatest joy. The joy we can have in the world around us that desperately needs it. joys to be shared. So show it. Show it to others. This week, this Advent season. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for what you have done for us. We thank you for Lord, the joy set before you was the fact that you would heal our relationship with you through forgiveness and the cleansing of our sin. Lord, we just pray that our worship now 
as we bring this service to a close, would really exalt you, Jesus. We're so thankful. We do rejoice together in what you've done for us and the reason you came. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.